guess you ain't from around here. Yeah, I guess you ain't from around here. Yeah, look at what we did in the past year. Yeah, a lot of green like a pasture, a lot of busted like a pastor. Yeah, enjoy it while I'm still here. I've been on the up and disappeared like the rapture. No mad raps in the cheap shirt. I'm just shopping in my Sears. I ain't no soothsayer, just a truth seeker, booth tweaker. Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker. Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker. Do I sound clear? Can you hear the soothing timbre in your ear? Look at what we did in the past year. Yeah, look at what we did. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Ebbs and Flow. I am Dan Unaki Dan, and I'm here today with Nomad from the Nomad Podcast. What's up, Nomad? Hey, hey, glad to be here. <laughs> and also with Joshua the Branch. What's up, Joshua? Sabat Shalom. Thank you for joining us. Yes, man. All right. Well, today we are on Genesis 4. So we're going to go ahead and read all of Genesis 4 to you, and then we're going to go. Uh, deeper into Genesis 4 and pick out the parts and dissect it a little bit more. But we feel like maybe reading Genesis, uh, each chapter individually, reading the whole thing, uh, helps us progress a little bit better because uh, we've been stuck on some of these for quite a, quite a few episodes. Uh, so at least this way we'll have it all out there uh, and then we can talk about it rather than going through piece by piece. So uh, Nomad's going to start us off today. Let's go, Nomad. Starting in Genesis 4, verse 1. And the man knew Eve, his wife, and she conceiveth and beareth Cain, and saith, I have gotten a man of Jehovah, by Jehovah. And she added to bear his brother, even Abel, and Abel is feeding a flock, and Cain hath been servant of the ground. And it cometh to pass at the end of days that Cain bringeth forth the fruit of the ground, a present to Jehovah. And Abel he hath brought he also from the female firstlings of his flock, even from their fat ones. And Jehovah looketh unto Abel and unto his present, and unto Cain and unto his present he hath not looked. And it is very displeasing to Cain, and his countenance is fallen. And Jehovah saith unto Cain, Why hast thou displeasure, and why hath thy countenance fallen? Is there not, if thou dost well, acceptance? And if thou dost not well at the opening of sin offering, is crouching, and unto thee its desire, and thou rulest over it. And Cain saith unto so, Abel, his brother. What? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to throw it over to you. Oh. <laughs> and now Dan will continue reading. Yeah. And Cain saith unto Abel, his brother, let us go into the field. And it cometh to pass in their being in the field that Cain rises up against Abel his brother and slayeth him. And Jehovah saith unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he saith, I know not. I have not known my brother's keeper. I have not known my brother's keeper. I? Is this my... He's saying, am I my brother's keeper, essentially? Yeah, am I my brother's keeper? That's how I thought it goes. And uh, 10, uh, and he saith, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood is crying unto me from the ground. Mm. And now cursed thou from the ground, which hath opened her mouth to receive the blood of my brother. 
from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it doth not add to give it strength to thee, a wanderer, even a trembling one, thou art in the earth. And Cain saith unto Jehovah, Greater is my punishment than to be born. Uh, thou hast driven me today from off the face of the ground, and from thy face I am hid, and I have been a wanderer, even a trembling one, in the earth, and it hath been. Everyone finding me doth slay me. And Jehovah saith to him, Therefore of any slayer of Cain sevenfold it is required. And Jehovah setteth to Cain, a token that none finding him doth slay him. And Cain goeth out from before Jehovah and dwelleth in the land, moving about the east of Eden. And kick it over to And Cain knoweth, oh, excuse me. And Cain knoweth his wife, and she conceiveth and beareth Enoch, and he is building a city. And he calleth the name of the city according to the name of his son, Enoch. And born to Enoch is Irad. And Irad hath begotten Mahalujael. And Mahalujael hath begotten Methuselahel. And Methuselahel hath begotten Lamech. And Lamech taketh to himself two wives, the name of one Adah, and the name of the second. Zalah. And Adah beareth Jabal. He hath been father of those inhabiting tents and purchased possessions. And the name of his brother is Jubal. He hath been the father of everyone handling harp and organ. And Zalah, she also bare Tubalcain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And a sister of Tubalcain, Nama. And Lamech saith to his wives, Ada and Zalah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, give ear to my saying, for a man I have slain for my wound, even a young man for my hurt. For sevenfold is required for Cain, and for Lamech, seventy and sevenfold. And Adam, again knowing, knoweth his wife, and she beareth a son, and calleth his name Seth. For God hath appointed for me another seed instead of Abel, for Cain had slain him. And to Seth, to him also a son hath been born, and he calleth his name Enos. Then a beginning was made of preaching in the name of Jehovah. This is quite a profound chapter, I must say. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, what, what stood out most to you guys? Well, in the beginning there, it's talking about Cain and uh, he's a servant of the ground, right? Um, but it also talks about in verse three, and it cometh to pass at the end of days. 
So that would almost imply like now we were talking about the parable of the wheat and the tares just before this. And there it says he's a he's a farmer. <laughs> and then in the days, it's just too much. So that's something I've never noticed before. Yeah, that that first line think? trips me out. Uh, and the man knew Eve, what his have- wife, and she conceiveth and beareth Cain and saith, I have gotten a man by Jehovah. So is Cain from Adam or is Cain from Jehovah? That's confusing to me. I know that was my question too. It's a very uh, <laughs> interesting way of of putting it. I've gotten a man by Jehovah because that almost sounds like kind of like when Mary is saying uh, that right about Jesus. It's like he's not. She's not referencing Joseph. She's like saying, "I've gotten a a son by God." Essentially, yeah. I, well, maybe this is a well. It's a comma, and then it says, "I have gotten a man." by jehovah semicolon and she addeth to bear his brother even abel and abel is feeding a flock and cain hath been servant of the ground uh still confusing to me is she is she saying that that... yeah go ahead well i think one of the things that's interesting about this is how um if indeed there was this perversion that occurred with the serpent and the tree and eve um that it wasn't just fruit but also this knowing in a sense uh i think that what happened is that she actually had two different seeds in her she had cain and abel both and when they were born then they get older and cain is apparently the seed of the serpent because he slays them but i do see the point you're making there with the way it's said it would seem that um let's, let's check a different version the good one would be the one paired with jehovah whereas it's the other way around here yeah yeah that's but he could have been the firstborn or something like that um because he's listed first and if so that would kind of also be analogous with the story of um jacob and esau uh, because jacob and esau were twins in the womb and wrestled to you know one was born first uh, and that's why jacob's named as such because it means hill catcher because he grabbed esau's hill coming mm-hmm. out of the womb so i think that that story kind of echoes back to this cain and abel story here where one of the seed the the serpent seed is always trying to steal the authority that is basically granted to the seed of Adam, but by killing off Abel, it was an attempt to silence, you know, to stifle that seed. But then they have Seth, who then perpetuates the seed. Hmm. King James version. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, "I have gotten a man from the Lord." Maybe she's telling him. It's basically that way here in the Septuagint. It says, uh, now Adam and Eve, 
or excuse me, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man through God. And it's got a uh, footnote here too, which I can look up. It's interesting that it's just... Uh, Is this a Mandela effect? Using the term... <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that it's just using the term man, too, like, in every instance. Yeah. It's like, and the man knew Eve, his wife, and she conceiveth and beareth Cain and saith, I have gotten a man by Jehovah. Is that almost saying, like... I think what she's meaning is that she's pregnant, but maybe she didn't know that she had twins. So for as far as she was saying, concerned, she's like, oh, I'm pregnant. Uh, but little did she, she was, know, she had twins. Sorry. Or maybe was she was saying in this part, I have gotten a man by Jehovah, meaning Adam. Maybe that's not the birth part of it. Because it says she conceiveth and beareth Cain. So that's saying like she gave birth. And then it's saying, I have gotten a man by Jehovah. So maybe she's saying like, and I she, was with the man from Jehovah and I bore these children. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, Adam might be what his, doesn't that just mean man? So, yeah. She, she might be kind of addressing, well, <laughs> addressing that's what Adam I'm, there, perhaps. I don't like That's exactly what I'm saying. Or I've gotten a son from Adam, <laughs> essentially, by Jehovah. Well, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is since man means Adam, it would be weird to me that we're saying that she's saying Adam here and then a son here. So what I was saying is maybe this is the same person. Yeah, exactly. So she's saying because she was given Adam by Jehovah to be with yeah, her, yeah, right? Yeah, I think uh, that's... And because of that, they had Cain. Yeah. That's kind of how I'm interpreting it. I think Adam and Eve conceived Cain and then she also slept with Jehovah and had Abel, his brother. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, that's not what you're saying? If, is that what you think? I mean, no, I'm saying I think that she's saying I have gotten a man by Jehovah. So she's saying Jehovah made me a man, essentially, right? So like to be with like, oh, like she was made. Jehovah provided her a man. And with that man, they conceived Cain. And then it goes on to say, because then they're specifically saying she conceiveth and beareth Cain. So right there, it's already saying that that's, she gave birth. That's done. So when she yeah. says, I have gotten a man, that's something totally different, in my opinion. And it's the same word here used in the beginning when it says, and the man knew Eve, his wife. So that's kind of how I'm interpreting it after dissecting it. Okay. Uh yeah, to me, it seems like I have even, the next man, one. It says, I've gotten a man by Jehovah, and she addeth to bear his brother, even Abel. So, why do you think it would be different terminology and the same word, though? Like, so here it was saying a man knew Eve, and here it says, but it says his gotten. wife, a man knew Eve, his wife. So, Adam was married to Eve, right? Yeah. So then that would be Adam and the man and the Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceiveth and beareth Cain and saith, I have gotten a man by Jehovah and she addeth to bear his brother. 
I don't know. Very confusing. It is a confusing passage for sure. Uh, let's see. Let's look up. I wonder if we can look this up in the blue letter. Uh, four verse one. Is there anything else you guys want to add while I'm getting this up? Um, I did get the interlinear up just because it's so confusing. I thought it might help. <laughs> so uh, I, I haven't read it yet, though. So let's see maybe what it says here. Um, and she conceived his or excuse me. And Adam, I forgot it's backwards. <laughs> and Adam knew Eve, his wife. Now, mind you, this may not flow as well as the English. Um, his wife conceived and she bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from Yahweh. Well, it's pretty much the same then. Uh, let's see what I have acquired is, though. I'll share that here in the chat. So when I look up the Hebrew for this, they are different words. So one of them, I have gotten a man. That one for a man, that phrase in Hebrew. Um, let's me just make sure I'm on the right one. 376 in the concordance is ish. And then the other one is Adam. When in the first uh, sentence there. So they are different words, but they seem to both mean man. Uh, it even says in contrast to God. So it doesn't seem like, in my opinion, if we go back here, I've gotten a man by Jehovah. So I guess maybe it's saying, maybe that other one is more of like a younger man. I don't know. But it is interesting that it's different words they use in the original Hebrew. Maybe, maybe it's like uh, Adam. she's been blessed and now they have a second child. And that is able that Jehovah blessed her with the ability to have another child after Cain, and that was his brother. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I wonder. Let's see, I have gotten. I wonder what that is. It's just very weird that they use different words when they're seemingly saying the same thing, or so it would appear. I have gotten. Oh, so this is yeah to get, acquire, obtain, but that word is also used for buy, purchased, possessor. Hmm. Uh, so she bought Abel from God. <laughs> no, it's probably it probably is. Uh, well, there's something interesting here. I didn't notice because uh, I just stopped there, but I noticed that we read a little more. And it says, and she again bore this time his brother. So it almost seems to imply that Cain was born first. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. According to this, I'll share this link right here. Yeah. Well, it says even Abel. Which kind of blows my mind because, yeah, I didn't think that, that was necessarily the case, but that's the inner linear there. 
Because it says even able, so that's almost like saying even. It's the even number two. So able's the second. Oh, nice catch. Is is uh yeah there it is thirty two fifty four and did, uh, she again bore this time it's like in the middle or at the bottom or middle now top did you guys feel that Abel was born first is that what your perspective of it was or well I didn't necessarily know I mean I just assumed they were always twins and kind of born oh, okay. maybe one came out first but I just figured it was like a uh, Jacob Esau kind of deal. Yeah. But it almost seems to fly here that the king may have been performed first, which will kind of explain later why he gets so upset because here he's the older man or older one born rather, and God doesn't find the sacrifice pleasing. So it would kind of help to explain the motive behind why he kills Abel. Yeah. 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 Thinking that he himself was superior just because he was older perhaps right and this seems to be a a thing in the bible too where the first brother gets uh screwed basically out of his uh like kingship or whatever and then the second brother is the one that ends up taking uh the reins uh just like yeah Jacob. the older will serve the younger that's yeah. uh can't remember what prophecy that is but that's i think that might be another one that's in reference to like when joseph ends up ruling all over his brothers and he's the baby he's the youngest kind of happens with that story too yeah yeah mm, yeah so then he ends up killing abel because he can't deal with that uh talks about the blood that comes from Abel uh, feeding the land and the end of days which is Ragnarok essentially so I mean I, we got to look at that what that end of days phrase means because if that's happens to be in Revelation too <laughs> that might be quite an interesting clue it could be like a really well, interesting in this, hat tip. In this way, it's seeming like it's just uh, it's it's well, still like very much part of the, the story. The so <laughs> yeah, something like that. Let's see here. At the end of the day, he was a farmer, but again, I think it could be like a reference to some of these agricultural parables. Because Cain would kind of like represent the root of you know the this sinful nature in a sense. Yeah, I think that's that's I think that's a good way to put it, actually. Because the fruit ends up being Seth. So that means if Cain is the is the root, then Abel was the stock, and Seth is the fruit. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the vegetable perspective does kind of help. There's so many parables and things in that context. Even Christ was, as they say in the Orthodox Church, sacrificed upon the tree. And yeah. they call him, you know, the first, he was the first fruits. So, you know, it's always uh, 
um, a consistent theme. So and when I'm in the blue letter, I don't think they actually use the term end of days, but just uh, in process of time. Ah. If I'm looking at that correct, so. Oh, it's pulling from the KJV. Sorry. It's like saying, and through time, and this will be what happens from here on out through the end of days. Until the end of time, this shall go on. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. That makes sense, though. Which, again, people probably hear that at first and just immediately assume it's like, oh, the end of the world. Well, in the interlinear, it does actually say that. <laughs> it says what? One of the words does. Uh, and in the course, it's hard for me. Uh, hold on. I got to click this button. Otherwise, I got to hold the space bar. Um, so with the part there, 793, um, it says end. And at the end of time end of space it's very interesting i uh i'm so happy to have seen that i just honestly shocked so i love these genesis sessions man because like you just can't read this stuff enough it's really quite profound yeah it's always great to have other perspectives too and um uh fresh eyes to just you know kind of make sense of things from uh, here's the uh, view. Th uh 3117 leading into 7793 so this would be that brought or excuse me in the course of time that brought rather so it's flowing from 793 to 3117 so the end of time flows into uh yah mim which was of time that is a reference here uh, to day time um, morning night as defined mm -hmm. in genesis one it says so that part it does say is like morning and evening but then the other one says so it'd be like the last morning and evening of time <laughs> that's kind of uh, it's interesting language honestly it seems like they would uh, leave a lot less to uh, speculation. Yeah. Well, they only had the Hebrew language only has like so many words, right? Yeah. So uh, it makes you really wonder. So they had to be kind of creative with what <laughs> the words they were using to describe stuff, I guess. I don't know. It is interesting the progression of like that to, you know, the Greek, which had like so many different, they were very specific with everything. Correct. And then yeah, even like now with English, and then with English, you know, we've we've stripped a lot of that away. Even thanks. That's a good point. Yeah. Even now, like a lot of our stuff doesn't make sense that we say. I was just talking about that. Like yeah, that's totally. the shit. Like that means it's good, but like that sounds like it'd oh, be awful. That's the biggest psyop, bro. <laughs> like making everybody like so much of our slang is cursing yeah. even good morning right i mm -hmm. can't say that I, I always say good day <laughs> good yeah. day to you yeah right 
uh, or, because dude, just, that's your, sick. your subconscious starts thinking about that. It's a way of brainwashing, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Or break a leg, like it's literally we have it's it's so permeates. It's crazy. That negative uh, negative speak. You know, break a leg could be a reference too to Saturn, because a lot of times when I see pictures of him holding a scythe, he's always on a crutch. Oh, really? Well, not, interesting. not always. Been a lot of oh, older depictions of him. Yeah, yeah it's I'm like sure an old uh, came from that track. An old stage thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the type of energy I'd expect from Saturn. <laughs> it's an old stage thing because uh, to tell somebody good luck actually gave them bad luck, so they would say to break a leg and give them bad luck, so they would have good luck. Oh, it's like reverse psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in the spirit realm. <laughs> because if too many people tell you good things That's about funny. you, you gain too much confidence and you uh yeah, you kind of slip and have trouble. So you don't get the big hit, they yeah try to knock you down. Yeah, exactly. Knock you down, See the you down on that. Yeah. yeah. You guys want to talk at all about like the sacrifices? Yes, because uh, I find that fascinating. Yeah. Like, what, uh, what do you think that was all about? So, Cain was the one who presented the displeasing sacrifice. Which are we understanding that it was like, like fruits and vegetables or something? Yes, but perhaps not the best of them, because um, mm. the comment that's made to him seems to suggest that. He might have done something that he knew better, like he knew better than what he was doing, perhaps. Um, but see, like with Abel, he hath brought, he also from the female firstlings. So here we see that Abel brings the first fruits and, right. um, and even from their fat ones. So he brings the first fruits and the best of them, the pick of the litter, if you will. He brings that to Jehovah. And then to Cain, he didn't look pleasing in it. Um, and he says here, why hast thou displeasure and why hath thou countenance fallen? He says, if, uh, is there not, if thou dost well acceptance, and if thou doth not well at the opening, a sin offering is crouching and unto thee its desire and thou rulest over it. So it only, I know it's a really weird sentence structure there, but it almost seems to say that he's like hiding his intentions and in his sacrifice or something like that. Like, in other words, I think it was perceived that he didn't bring the best of his crop or something like that. Um, but what's also very interesting about this is that even though it hasn't said it yet in the text, later on we find out with the law as it were that there's no uh remission of sin without the shedding of blood so here they're giving a sin offering but you can't get blood from vegetables and fruit no matter how good they are so um it would almost seem that one of the reasons that his offering was not found satisfactory is simply because it wasn't alive so maybe if he had brought in some goats to him that were like the first of the flock or something like that, um, perhaps that would have been seen as okay. But here he brings fruit and vegetables. 
Yeah, well, it even seems like he wasn't, uh, like Jehovah wasn't even looking at the sacrifice, right? And that's why he got upset. You see what I'm saying? Uh, it talks yeah, about the sin lying at the door. I didn't even notice that a moment ago. I might have skipped over that on accident. Uh, I go back maybe, to the wild because he, he he killed the animal and killed it and brought it to him. So he was like, "I'm not even going to look because I know you killed it. Why do you bring me in something dead? I want something that's alive." Um, I think uh, Cain maybe didn't even understand that he wasn't supposed to bring him something dead. Because then it seems like he takes his brother and kills him almost to say, like, here you go. Look, I, I killed the best one now because you wanted the best. Yeah, one. see, I've actually had that thought go through my head is that, yeah, I know that's a really macabre thought. But uh, it, may, it, it that thought has crossed my mind. I mean, they're the he, first. They're the first. Saul Abel was the lamb, right? Yeah, there's they're, they're still the first people, so they're not even going to understand like right and wrong yet. It hasn't really been like put into. I mean, they understand it from eating the fruit from the tree. Well, Eve did, but even them, they're still like the first children being born. So they're kind of, I don't know how to say it, like dumb or just like, naive. Yeah, naive. There you go. That's a better word naive and it seems like Cain is almost naive to not even understand that he doesn't want this death offering that he wants something alive and something of sustenance and so then he you know he goes okay well then I'll kill your best man then you're able that you love so much I'll sacrifice him for you and you know as I'm reading this does it does it say anywhere that Jehovah wanted a sacrifice and does it say that no. he was pleased with the first one no because to me what I what I actually see here is uh Cain bringeth some fruit of the ground and presents it to Jehovah and Abel he hath brought he also from the female firstling of his flock even from their fat ones and Jehovah looketh unto Abel and unto his presence so here we have, they're bringing their sacrifices. It doesn't say anything that they're supposed to. At least I haven't seen that anywhere. Um, and so Jehovah's looking at the first sacrifice, which is, a, which is uh, or I guess at Abel's sacrifice. And then Cain, unto his present, he hath not looked. So it's essentially, Cain gets upset because Jehovah's not looking at him or looking at yeah. his sacrifice. It's not so much anything about like if one or the other is good or not, uh, at least so far. And yeah, Jehovah so far that unto Cain, And Jehovah saith unto Cain, why hast thou displeasure? And why hath thy countenance fallen? Is there not if thou dost well acceptance? And if thou dost not well at the opening, a sin offering is crouching and unto thee its desire and thou rulest over it. To me, what this is saying is like, it's your accountants and what you're bringing. Like, yes, like in your heart, you know that you're not uh, like doing something right. And that's why your countenance has fallen. It doesn't seem to be so much about the actual sacrifice, is it? I yeah. agree. Because again, that didn't come till later. The remission is sin by the shedding of blood. That isn't something that's been a dictate yet. Uh -huh. um, yeah. But yeah. It doesn't say animal either. It just says fruit from the ground. So, I mean, right. it's not necessarily an animal that he kills either. Oh, I think he brought vegetables and fruit. I think that's yeah. What it yeah, is. Abel. Abel brought the uh, 
the fruit, right? Or no, Cain brought the fruit and Abel brought the the animal. So right. then what if it's saying yeah, it's saying like in the first uh sentence there where it's talking about and man uh was a husband to Eve and she bare Cain and then uh she uh had a man with Jehovah and that was Abel and Abel was showing favoritism because uh it was his son and not Cain and because Cain was the son of Adam, but Abel was the son of him. That makes sense. So that's why he didn't even yeah, I mean, bother to look at speculation there. He was but... playing some favoritism there. It is speculation. It seems... I'm, yeah, it's, I'm yeah, definitely speculating. It's... Yeah, it's a theory uh, for sure. I, it, to me, it sounds like he's saying that it's like the 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 intent right everything gets back to intent uh because he's saying like you know that you're not bringing your best like you know you you know that's kind of what i'm gathering from it because because he's looking at cain knowing or he's looking at abel knowing that abel specifically went out and tried to bring his best and put his best foot forward very interesting so then, so Cain's upset, and then he goes and kills his brother, right? That's the next step. There's a story that's kind of relevant right now, but uh, I dropped a link in the chat. There's a really ancient uh, Sumerian story. It's of Inanna, and she, it's, she chooses between a farmer and a, a shepherd. But I think in her story, she chooses the farmer and Jehovah chooses the shepherd, which I think was kind of an interesting uh, contrast. Oh, it might, uh, that might be more like a summary right there. I think it kind of expands on it a little further down. Yeah, there we go. And this is from uh, what mythology you said? I think the Sumerian or Babylonian, one of the two. Okay. Nana would be Sumerian or Mesopotamian. Yeah, it's all, it's all pretty much. Her name changes to Ishtar in Babylon. So this, Mm -hmm. if it's Nana, it would still be Mesopotamian. Basically, where the Garden of Eden was, essentially. That's why I think the story is so interesting because it's quite likely the same geographic area. Uh, so, will you summarize this for us again? Essentially, it's just in- inverted, is the opposite. Exactly. And Inanna is seen as the queen of heaven, whereas Jehovah is the king. So, I often wonder if she's Lucifer or Lilith or something like that. You know, I don't know. Of course, mm-hmm. that's some speculation, but she is the morning star and stuff like that too, because she's Venus. So I've often wondered, it's like, well, did Cain and did she basically wed Cain's seed? And then talks about end of days here with Cain. So I wonder if the whore of Babylon, which is Ishtar, if Cain isn't the Antichrist somehow, like if it's not from his seed, which the Antichrist comes, and then you got her choosing the farmer. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and the, you know, wheat and the tares and all that. It's just, I, I didn't, I hadn't made these connections yet. This is all just kind of like hitting me as we were studying this. So 
forgive me if the thought's not <laughs> perfectly molded. Totally random, but you know, like uh, Rihanna did the <laughs> halftime show. All right. The, and, uh, you know, she has that song, na na, what's my name? And then also Ooh. Janet Jackson, who was, you know, known for the titty slip. Uh, she had like the <laughs> star of Ishtar on her nipple, if I'm understanding what? that correctly. Dude, did you see the tattoo on Rihanna's stomach? Uh-uh. No. Google it. It's, she's got a ISIS across her stomach. So that oh, right, right, baby right. inside of her has got an ISIS over top of it. We were kind of talking about Horus a little bit earlier too. So that would probably be the symbolism there. Uh, but yeah, definitely seem to have some of that energy uh, around. Yeah, exactly. Super so that cool. you're right. Kane and Anana energy there. Yeah. Even Rihanna kind of sounds like it. Anana. Just the yeah. new Anna. He burned all Jimmy. Yeah, ancient area. There we go. It's uh it's the new Anna, the re Anna. Oh, yeah, good point. There you go. Um, do you guys know what this is? Like a sin offering is crouching. I guess at some point they must have. This is this had become a tradition. It seems like already. Because it says, is there not, if thou dost well, acceptance? And if thou dost not well, at the opening, a sin offering is crouching. So is that saying, like, if you don't do well, then you need to make a sin offering? Well, Cain is, Cain is saying this to Jehovah, right? No, I think Jehovah is saying this to Cain. And Jehovah saith unto Cain, why hast thou displeasure, and why hath thy countenance fallen? Is there not if thou dost well acceptance? So yeah, in still, me that's saying still, like if if you do well, you're accepted. Yeah, he's still like pleading his case. He's saying, like, did I bring you displeasure? And has your why have your like continence fallen from me? Why do you not feel like even to look at what I brought you? Is there not thus well acceptance? Do you not accept me? And uh did I not bring you in a sin offering? crouching to show you that uh you rule over me because i was bringing it to you in the crouched position like that's an uh, interesting kneeling down kneeling down and offering it up like you know like you know the kneel with the offer up to the lord type thing um in other words it's like did i do something wrong yeah i think it's kind of sums up yeah interesting yeah it's like saying did i not do all Are these you things thinking- right did i not what is there something that I did wrong for you to be displeased with me? So you think this first verse seven here is Cain talking? Yeah, still talking to Jehovah. He wasn't answered. Okay, see, I read it as Jehovah's still talking because it says, "And Jehovah saith unto Cain, oh. Why hast thou displeasure? And why hath thy countenance fallen?" Okay. It seems like it keeps going. Jehovah is there not if thou dost well acceptance? And so Jehovah's saying to Cain, like, if you do well, are you not accepted? Like, why are you not, why are you acting sad? Because he hasn't even really done anything yet. He just looked at Abel's sacrifice mm-hmm. and Cain got all hurt about uh, it, right? Uh, I see. So like, that's a, how I like a three-year-old it. kid, yeah. I, I kind of, I guess I, I thought that backwards in my head. 
Jehovah yeah, faith. Yeah, because you would Cain. see it, it does seem kind of like it's a back and forth. But then yeah. the next sentence it's and Cain saith. So it's like very much mm-hmm. okay, now Cain's yeah, yeah. talking, right? Yeah, I, I read it as yeah. and Cain saith unto Jehovah. That's how I that's oh, right. why, yeah. That's why I was backwards with that. My bad. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. No, these verses get confusing. So uh yeah, that's why we're here to talk it out. Mm-hmm. Um and then so okay. now that, this is where Cain starts setting the trap. And so in verse eight, and Cain saith unto Abel his brother, Let us go into the field, and it cometh to pass in their being in the field that Cain riseth up against Abel his brother and slayeth him. So that's like I mean, I feel like we're missing a lot. Yeah, a lot, here, right? Do you guys know if <laughs> Is there other uh, passages or other mythologies that have more text to them? I mean, the one that you shared, Joshua, is that have some of this in there? It's a little more expansive. I mean, the, the site I shared, I think, is a little condensed version of it because these Sumerian epics, you know, they can kind of be a little wordy at times. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there's like a whole story to it. But I think it's called The Descent of Anana is the full version there's like a link up to the top there where it's like a much larger um um expanse on it but this kind of thing also sets the uh tone for like when it talks about tammuz in the bible and women weeping at the gates of tammuz well tammuz is kind of like modeled after this shepherd demuzi which i think is also Cain kind of in a sense like modeled after oh. that archetype so what's his name so, demuzi yeah demuzi's the consort of inanna and in this well, demuzi vert oh is that a real name of somebody no it's little uzi vert is like a rapper um Very oh i demonic. can't keep up no, with the rappers also people say is he actually saying lucifer if you say it fast oh interesting well with uh, all that i've seen from those dudes i wouldn't be surprised yeah. when he's one of the big proponents for uh neuralink him and grimes oh jesus oh yeah he's talking well, back and forth about getting that about. so it tracks <laughs> um when last week i brought up the uh aries constellation and i had mentioned uh the moose uh the Muzi as the shepherd um oh yeah uh, and that pertains to the Aries uh, constellation. So maybe even here, Cain uh, is that Aries constellation. Um, hmm, interesting. And then so if he was, then Abel would have been the bull, which was slain. So we're in the lamb, you know, in that sense, because it's a shepherd of lambs. But if he's the second, he would have been a, a bull. So yeah, I can kind of see that in some ways because in Mithraism, the bull is slain. Because you, know, you so were saying the Mithra is Mithras Cain in that regard. You know, that's something interesting to consider yeah. too. Yeah, because Joshua, you said too, like he's uh, known as the false shepherd, not the real shepherd. Um, idol shepherd. Idol shepherd. There you go. So maybe uh, which? So- oh, dude! Thanks for reminding me because. Uh, later he's marked and in Zechariah eleven seventeen, uh, the idol shepherd is uh, given a mark and what it is Jehovah darkens their right eye and puts the sword on their right arm 
So that's where the one eye symbolism that we see in the celebrity realm, they, they get that because they are idle shepherds. They're uh-huh. shepherds that have sold out. And so Jehovah darkens their right eye, whatever that that's means. so interesting because that uh, this is where like the Venn diagram is lining up for me because I've heard three different stories of that in like the past week. So we have oh, really? Odin's Odin. eye, right? Yeah. He takes yeah. out his own eye and throws it down and then... And then we also have Set, which we were talking about, and Horus. Set exactly. gouges out Horus's eye, right? So, again, yeah. we have like a very similar story <laughs> kind of lining up here. Very interesting. Yeah, and uh, do you know which eye it was for Odin? It's his uh, left eye, I believe. Actually, he gives up his right eye. Oh, he does. Yeah, it's there's a the only way you can find it is there's a story that talks about the specific giant and everything that he has a conversation with because he has to figure out what to do, and okay. uh, the giant tells him. But that's where it finally shook me a little bit because I was like, whoa, because uh, you see him depicted a lot of times in art with one or the other you know because it's never really consistent but after i read the story it made it clear that it was his right eye that he sacrificed and that's the same one jehovah takes and it's defined as such in zechariah eleven seventeen. so i thought that was a weird connection kind of reminded me of maybe okay well uh tribe or something in in uh in like the black eye club um the satanic whatever it's always the left eye though right well i've seen it both ways so i think it's just most people are probably ignorant of of the actual symbolism and so maybe it's a mistake yeah thanks man i appreciate that um but who knows you know maybe the black eye thinks something different but it yeah. seems like it should be the right same thing because they're darkening their eye but i think the person that's doing it might be simply ignorant of the fact that it's supposed to be the right eye but you think at that level i mean if you're illuminati you should know right that's <laughs> like what, what you're doing yeah. i guess yeah but i i wonder though is this the same mark that was given to kane did he give him a black eye um he sets a mark on it and says that nobody can harm him. And if they do, they get cursed. And so what the story is, I think we get the story maybe in the book of Jasher. I can't remember where, but Lamech shoots and kills Cain with a bow because he's like half blind. And he's mm. got a boy with him that's helping him hunt. And so then he even kills the boy because he let him kill Cain. And he doesn't even get punished, apparently, for killing the boy. He's more concerned about the fact that he just cursed his lineage by killing Cain. Because then it's like it talks about that here at the bottom, uh, 70 upon 7 or something like that. Like, in other words, the for the remaining extent of time, I guess, his, his generations are cursed till the end of time or something like that, basically. Yeah, I've heard the theory that the mark that was given to Cain, it, it was like a protection. It was like a way of protecting him and his line, right? Um, I've heard that as like a theory as to the survival of the Nephilim, like uh, because like God wiped out everything, right? But then that would have meant he would have wiped out Cain and his line. So the theory was that they survived by like going underground or whatever. Have well, I've heard that. 
I think, yeah, I have heard that because that kind of references back to Tubal Cain and whatnot, which is mentioned in here as well. Um, and that's something that you see in the Noah movie that they made a while back that shows Tubal Cain like hitching a ride on the ark and stuff like that. <laughs> but, um, but what I think is really interesting about that is uh, go back up. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, go back up just a little bit. Um, yeah. What are you looking for? I'm um, so sorry. I can't remember where it was at now. Um, it was some, maybe around 15 or something like that. That's this is I think uh, a mark is I think a token in this translation. Is that what you're looking for? Okay. Yeah, maybe we should look at that word. Um that's what I, was oh, I remember now what I was gonna say. It wasn't in the text, that's why I couldn't find it. Okay. <laughs> uh um, I was gonna say when I was thinking of Lamech shooting Kane, which is actually later, um I couldn't help but think of the bullseye because the bullseye and you know the bull itself and um, Taurus it, that's where we get the term bullseye from is the red eye of the bull so I kind of wondered if maybe you know it never really talks about where Lamech shot Cain <laughs> so I kind of wondered I was like well did he hit him in the bullseye because uh, you know sometimes the bull is seen as like not such a good thing because the cherubim uh, Lucifer sometimes compared to a cherubim which is like the bull type um sometimes depicted as like a bull angel and bulls are a bully bulls are laws and to be a bully is to bully people so like when you make laws you're bullying people and cain founded cities which you find laws in so for me it kind of like stacks up in my head i know i sound kind of scattered when i'm talking about it but like it just seems like the fruit matches in a sense right so I looked up in the blue letter, the Hebrew for a mark. Uh, so when a mark is given to Cain, and interesting enough, the pronunciation is oath, O-T-H. Um, uh -huh. So to me, that's like, he, you know, this is like an oath between him, right? I think that tracks some of the other words it's used for is signs, tokens, miracles, or mark. Mark actually is the least amount of times it's used as, it's usually used as signs. Um some of the other words though uh like an omen or a warning or a distinguishing mark so it could have been you know a physical thing or it could have just been more of like a like a curse or like you know like if you're gonna if anyone messes with you something bad will happen to them right like a decree just a spoken decree alone, yeah. a curse so that's interesting is this i wonder if that mark is the same as the mark of the beast in revelation 13 16 through 18 that would be an interesting comparison well that's hebrew and greek so it may not even compare let's see here yeah that's the great part about looking at hebrew uh in genesis right and because it definitely is probably how it was written versus some of the newer books uh Exactly. That's why I appreciate it so much. Charagma. Yeah. So this is very different. Looks like. Well, it, a it is different because it's imprinted Greek. mark. Right. Uh, this does seem to be more physical, though. 
and Greeks were very specific, right? Well, but here's something interesting, though. If indeed the Antichrist is from the seed of Cain, then he's the one that has a mark, and Cain has a mark. So that could be, even though it's not the same word, it kind of does flow in that way. But what does that mean, though? Because, like, uh, if you get the mark of the beast, you're more damned, aren't you, than saved? And wasn't Cain sort of, like, protected? Oh, so it kind of expands on Chiragma there, and um, maybe that'll give us some insight. Because it, it doesn't really say this. So that might be kind of something that distinguishes them apart. Scratch or etching uh, under the Strong's definitions there. A scratch or etching stamp as a badge of servitude or sculpted figure. That almost sounds like the image. Graven mark. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like to me, this sounds very physical versus another one kind of more like oath um yeah like a spoken curse or decree yeah so they do look different but it it kind of does feel the same though like uh i would just assume like you know Cain's seed's going to try to always kill abel's seed or seth's seed i guess <laughs> Yeah, well, to me, it seems like one is like a protection and one is like, if you get this, you're not protected, right? Well, I think the reason for that was because he um, didn't, I, I think he was to serve as a, like an example or a reminder um, of, in some way. For instance, there's a story of when Esau kills Nimrod, who was a world ruler. And you would think, and I'm, I'm sure Esau probably thought this too. Like when he did it, he thought he was doing a really good thing, but he was all at the same time found this in, in disfavor with Jehovah because he had done that. Well, the reason for that was because he had done it with his own strength, and now there was nothing to punish people with. <laughs> Which so he was like killing his tool, so to speak, and it wasn't something he was supposed to do. Um, so that's another interesting story where you kind of see like sometimes these entities like Cain, for instance, maybe he served a greater purpose. And so in a way it was like maybe being preserved just because of not necessarily because he was good, but because God had a plan for him in some way, shape or form, but he does get killed eventually. So. Well, right. Cause then even he says like, uh, greater is my punishment than to be born. Like it seems like he's saying, like it would have been better to just be dead, right? Well, for him, uh, the way back, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he got, he wanted, yeah, he had a different punishment than just death, which was just not being able to be, be a fruitful or like abundant in the land. Is that kind of what it's saying, dude? This verse fourteen kind of reminds me of in Job when Jehovah's talking to the devil and he's asks him, he's like, where you've been? And he's like, Oh, I've been walking to and fro in the earth, you know? And it just sounds like this piece here from Cain where he's just like, he's just endlessly wandering the earth. Is that like part of his curse? I wonder, you know? Well, 
And here we have a similar uh, commonality with Joe where it says in the earth. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is what I was saying. Like, were they, did they go in the, were they in the earth? Because if you look up this word, at least in Job, it's very specific because it says in and on in two chapters. So when you look at the words, they're very different. Like it's, it's very specific. So talks about would, that. I, in, uh, to me, that means in the earth. Talks about that in Genesis 6 too. It says there are giants in those days. And uh, even afterwards, they were in the earth. Right. Very interesting. So maybe is Cain a giant? I shared a link here that you guys might find interesting. Just today I was looking at it. There is a, um, I don't even know what to call him, an entity <laughs> known as Dis Pater, which uh, Pater means father. And Dis refers to in the earth. Like, uh, so basically this is, seen as like the ruler from inside the earth mm, the underworld so father, that father might be a relevant thing to talk about <laughs> yeah pluto the god of the underworld and some of the kings say that they derive their line from this person like i think the french kings or the gaulish kings perhaps mm. well it's also interesting because we have Sheol, which is sort of, I guess, inner earth, but it's also broken up into uh, paradise and Hades. So there could even be certain entities that were perhaps good, would you say, you know, from inner earth, but then some that were bad. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Well, you had like gate gatekeepers and wardens. I mean, all the people that are in a prison, so a lot of them are bad. Yes. But then you got the ones that work there that are not. Typically. And they they live in paradise, and they just uh, commute to Haiti. They commute to hell. <laughs> the commute. Oh, that's funny. Sorry, the commute today. No, uh, I was just going to talk about the tribe of Dan too, because seemingly they were kicked out of the tribes of Israel, and they wandered the earth, and they oh, also went in the earth, uh, because it, uh, the battle in Ireland with Mill. Um, it said that the the Milesians won the battle because the Tua Daydanan decided to just go into the earth and take the inner the inner Yeah. Land because land. that's where the giants were and they warred with I think they were called the Fomorians up there, right? Mm. Like uh, the giants. They were named something a little bit different. But giants yeah. all the same. Yeah, yeah. And the Titans are associated with the earth as well. So I think that which of course Adam was made from the earth too. So yeah. there is that common thing there, but we're diminutive, whereas they were great. See the tribe of Dan thing kind of relates to that too. Cause like their own strength, their pride, well, the Titans and giants were known for their great strength and pride as well. So it's kind of an interesting comparison there. And that's a common thing throughout the whole Bible, right? It's like the, same story because even the tower of babel it, it seems like it wasn't so much what they were doing but why they were doing it exactly. and how they were doing it because they they thought they were the greatest thing right and they wanted to rule well, they wanted to kill god actually yeah right yeah <laughs> i don't you know i don't think it necessarily in itself like building tall buildings and stuff is bad but like if that's your reason behind it god might have a problem well, and in, I was thinking about that the other day. So have you ever had like a terrarium or an aquarium? 
No, but I'm familiar with the concept. So can you imagine having one? Because I've had them and my, my, you, you can, I know they're a little different than dogs and cats and such, but you can still form attachments and such to your salamanders and newts and fish or whatever it might be. Um, so imagine if you just gaze down into your terrarium one day and your salamanders have constructed all the species in the tank have banded together and started to construct a tower to get up out of the tank, but not to just get out of the tank flat earth emphasis on that perhaps but not only do they want to get out of the tank but they want to kill you and you're like i'm i'm i don't even know what to say you know like well first thing we're going to do is destroy destroy this little tower you're building and you know what i'm just going to seal this i'll be back in a thousand years we'll see how you turned out <laughs> that's kind of how i saw it, you know for sure oh and now you all speak different languages so this can't happen again yeah. But look what's happening today. Those language barriers are really fading away, you know? So I think we're kind of coming back to that moment. When I almost wonder, like, is it maybe that it's not so much that we weren't supposed to be doing this, but again, it's just like God's giving us another chance to do it right. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you saw your salamanders building a tower, that'd be pretty cool. Right. <laughs> if they were chill, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, come hang out if you're chill. But I think that's the point. It's like we got to be on the right frequency before we can get there. We just built this to give you a high five, man. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> nah. shit. My salamanders yeah. are building a tower so they can climb out of the tank. So let's get rid of that. Which they've done anyway. So it's a, <laughs> it's, you know, it seems plausible they might want to get out because I, I had one that would get out all the time. So it kind of makes me laugh, though, because it, you know, it's like they were getting too big for their britches or something like that. But this deep affection he had for us at the same time, I mean, he flooded the earth, of course, at one point. So then I'd have to think like, what would my pets have to do for me to kill them? I mean, that's some hopeless right. stuff. Well, and that's, there, you know? that's where the story gets to, do we think this was like, is this the God of all creation? You know what I mean? Like, or was this perhaps a fallen entity, a fallen angel that was trying to take credit for things? Well, some have speculated that um, that Christ was the son of the demiurge, which because is my, I mean I love Jehovah, but some people consider him that. Um, so you know, and if that's true, well then that would make Christ the son of the demiurge. So you know, I don't like to well, use those words because I think they have negative connotations, but that's how some people interpret it. Um, so is, is Jehovah specifically the entity that was, that flooded the earth? Well, it would seem as though, and which in the Sumerian canon would kind of align with Enlil. Um, right. Cause then you got the Satan figure that's more like Inky and he's like, well, well, I'll make sure you guys don't die. And, because apparently he had a hand in creating humans too, if you look at that story. So it almost suggests that like the serpent might have had a hand in doing some of the work. Because if you read some of the Jewish texts, they do talk about how various angels had different roles in the creation of man. Like uh, I think it was uh, Uriel or, oh, excuse me, Abaddon. He's the one that was sent to gather the soil that created Adam, I think. Several of the angels were sent out to gather soil, I think. 
That's and so crazy they, you say that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, uh, did, did you know that in the in the stories of John D and Edward Kelly, that the angels were always having them go and get different samples of soil? No, I did not know that, dude. Yeah, Woo! very interesting. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, only one of the angels returned with the proper amount, and that was Abaddon. And um, apparently he's one of those warden type angels that is often confused with being evil in fact you see a lot of heavy metal bands name things after abaddon all the time and it's just kind of funny because it's like well you know he might be in hell but he's actually guarding the gate i think is what it is um so all the other angels fear him but apparently he was the one that had a big hand in creating humans least one of the tasks associated with them because then jehovah breezes um his ruach hakadesh into the the vessel that was created so i think maybe his angels helped him create it and but then he animated it so to speak uh a lot of times in the god interpretation crossovers they associate yahweh with marduk who was the son of enki so that that whole demiurge thing you're talking about is like uh, Marduk being Yahweh, being the son of Enki, the demiurge, or uh, because Enlil is technically the rightful heir, uh, but that's who all the Elites model themselves after is Enlil. That's why they're so uh, kind of with laws uh and loopholes to kind of get what they want um well and the law of the land versus law of the water like there's maritime law which is inky mm -hmm. and then there's the law of the land which is enlil so i've always found that very interesting too because they i mean even admiralty law still exists to this day mm -hmm. um, there's different laws out on the sea as opposed to the land um, so I think somehow those laws all tie back into principalities yeah. and how the nations and everything are built. Like, I think angels actually do have jurisdiction over certain areas of the earth that's granted mm. to them, perhaps by this Enlil type relationship they may have with him. And then, of course, you got the sea with its own domain. So I wonder, too, because it talks about this in Revelation, about there's a beast from the earth and there's a beast from the sea so it's kind of funny too because it almost suggests like well the two work hand in hand so it's like one day the law the land and the law of the sea will become one in this global mm -hmm. or something like that it's just i love when you guys start talking about this stuff because it, it gets my mind really firing off so i looked it up and it was the elohim who were saying they were going to destroy the world and yeah. all the living things. Um, it's like a plural, right? Right. So to me, there was like a, a consensus amongst the, the gods, the Elohim deciding to destroy the world, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mention Jehovah. And so here in the beginning, we have Jehovah that's like creating things. And even when somebody does something wrong, he like he doesn't kill him he he makes it so he just has to kind of learn his lesson and live out his life right uh so <laughs> yeah good me, point. again it's just it's like a different energy kind of that i'm seeing 
Yeah. I don't, you know, maybe they're the same, the, but I think that it's interesting to point out. In the spiritualism sense, what they say is like <clears throat> there was like a council of gods. Um, and in this council, they decided uh, that there, they knew that there was going to be a comet that was going to hit the earth and destroy most of everything on earth. And what they had decided was that they were going to let nature kind of carry out its effect uh, regardless. And so when the asteroid hit the water, it's what created the great flood. And because of that, everything was uh, killed off and destroyed and whatnot. But that was, be it was not out of arrogance. It was uh, out of letting nature take its normal course not to intervene within the nature aspect uh and that's from the spiritualism so in, sense but I'm, so what i'm i'm just saying like it, you can kind of take it as like a bad or a good because and and biblically it's also the reason why they let that happen was to wipe out the abominations from the planet right so that there wouldn't be the evil in the world but then evil still lived on they didn't kill all it didn't destroy all of it right and even so i'm going back in genesis one and i do was that that was elohim right when they're saying god I, i'll go back to the blue letter but it seems like in my version god is referencing elohim and then Jehovah, it seems to be used separately. Because if I go back to Genesis 4, this is like talking about Jehovah. And Jehovah saith unto Cain. I think Jehovah so, is the most high. So basically, he's the highest ranking among the Elohim themselves, is what it is, I think. Because Jehovah means almighty. So he'd be like considered the strongest. Right. But again, that could that could be like... Who, who knows who was giving these titles and who was uh, claiming those titles, right? So, but that's a great point to mention and like what, what they mean. Oh, so a good way to kind of maybe illustrate that would be like in the Sumerian uh, pantheon, whoever had the position of 60 was the most high. Mm -hmm. And then you had your 50, 40, 30, and then the fives in between were the female versions. So the Elohim collectively would be all of them. Mm -hmm. from five to 60. Um, so that might give us kind of an idea of how big the council was, if, if indeed the Sumerian pantheon. And it's weird too, because they always had to maintain that number, which would make sense if they had like bylaws or something. I mean, I know that's kind of mundane and silly, to, but you know, if that's the rules, then anytime there was a vacancy, they had to fill it. Um, so maybe they did vote on things because it sounds like the destruction of mankind was maybe like on the agenda. Hey, um, we got to vote on this, guys. <laughs> Do we have a quorum? Yeah, it yeah. passes. <laughs> you know, it put it in the me. minutes, and that's the minutes become the word that we read. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of yeah. meeting minutes, like uh, Mount Olympus, also, and how once well, yeah. uh, once a god was gone or slayed or kicked out they replaced him with another one so he, he got up the new title he got the title but he wasn't the same as the one before 
I think that's kind of what takes place in like the idea of uh, uh, God and Satan. And Satan wants to be the most high, and eventually he overtakes God and becomes the most high. Well, he did try because it says he, he sat in the mercy seat. So the mercy seat would be the seat of the judge. And so when he done that, that's when he's cast out because he's not obviously qualified for that office or something mm. of that nature. So the judge is the mercy seat. And so Satan got the mercy seat. But he wanted to sit in the mercy seat and be God. Yeah. Oh, uh, he wanted to be the judge. Got it. Yeah. Because that's basically which, what mean, which Dan, yeah, Dan exactly. means judge. Exactly. <laughs> that's where I was going. Yeah. It's funny, and uh, I'll just actually read this verse since we're talking about it, just so we can make sure we have the context. I'm going to replace God with Elohim since I looked it up in the Hebrew, and that's what it's saying. So this is Genesis 6, verse 12. And God seeth the earth, and lo, it hath been corrupted, for all flesh hath corrupted its way on the earth. And God said to Noah, An end of all flesh hath come before me, for the earth hath been full of violence from their presence, and lo, I am destroying them with the earth. So, I mean, it seems like he's saying, like, I'm destroying them, right? It seems intentional, at least in this, you know, in the Bible, in this mythology. Um, Dan, where, where were you saying that it was more of like uh, they were going to let nature take its course. Where was that from? Yeah, that was like a, it's like a, in spirituality, it's, it's taken that way. I have this book that I read. Um, I'm not sure the name of it, but I can, I can look in my book section and see if I can find what book that was. But it was basically coming from like uh, the spiritual, like Buddhist, uh, Tibetan monks kind of point of view. I wonder if there would be, would either of you know, would there perhaps, I'm totally speculating, guessing, be any connection between Jehovah and Enki? Or has it resonated with any other like Sumerian lore, or Babylonian lore that you're familiar with? Yeah, Possibly a... Anu. Anu is the most high and yeah. he's considered okay. like in the 60 spot. So um, I've kind of wondered if maybe Enlil's more like a Christ type figure, whereas Enlil or Enki, Enlil, because he had uh, dominion yes. over the earth that and was closest to the Most High. Because Enlil had the fifty spot, but then um, Enki had the forty spot, so he was not as high ranked, and that would kind of make sense if like Enki was trying to usurp authority that wasn't his. Now, there's another story, too, about usurpation, and that's with Inanna. So Inanna, who later becomes Ishtar, which is quite literally the whore of Babylon, but not whore in like a derogatory sense. I mean, for her, this was a sacred, sacred prostitution was like her duty, and she was over all of them. But anyway, she tries to take the throne of heaven as well from Anu. Um, so there's another story about venus the morning star trying to take the throne of heaven she calls herself the queen of heaven actually do you know uh what are some of the stories around anu like uh what was the sort of 
they try to cut his genitals off and stuff like that like they try to emasculate him like when they try to overthrow him i think maybe even inky does this actually um they're always trying to castrate each other uh because if they can get their balls and penis off then that like somehow they lose if they lose their if they lose their two ball cane (laughs) two balls and cane then there goes their um potency if you will their virility their ability for their seed to continue and so on and so forth so there's something really interesting well the bull of heaven there there you go um the decree the only way you could get the bull of heaven was if anu sent it it was by divine decree so if he sent that after you that means he spoke your death decree and the bull of heaven would come after you and Anna summons that against Gilgamesh, and then they tear its leg off <laughs> and they kill it. So that is kind of a weird story. So Gilgamesh was like the first bullfighter, if you think about it. Which Are I- there any stories of Anu and like uh, actions that Anu took? Does that make sense? What I'm getting at? Oh, oh, well, I can't think of any off the top of my head, um, except there are some of the stories like involving with Marduk where um, nobody could defeat Tiamat. And so Marduk was uh, basically kind of like the newborn of the gods, quote unquote. And he was really loud and boisterous. And apparently Tiamat was actually coming to kill him anyway, but they didn't tell him that they just made him think that, they couldn't handle him and they or handled Tiamat and they wanted him to do it because he was very warlike and powerful. And, uh, and he said, well, I'll do it. But if I do it, you got to give me the tablets of destiny. Like you, you make him Lord of the universe. So when you talk about the, the Demiurge, maybe not being the creator, but being the most high at the same time, it, it, that could reconcile that where, because Marduk didn't necessarily create everything, but he was still considered master of the universe because he had earned it through his defeat of Tiamat and Kingu. Because otherwise, had Kingu and Tiamat succeeded, um, and they would have been unchallenged. And then we would have a much different looking world, I'm sure. <laughs> but apparently the earth we live on now is, in fact, Tiamat. So not only was she conquered and slain, but the mere fact that like humans couldn't, we wouldn't even have anywhere to live. It's like everything that creation as we know it, like here on earth, I think was all like a, um, it's like, Hey, I'm going to take what I just did here. I'm going to make a trophy out of it essentially. Like, so I think that's where our sinful nature comes from in a sense is because we were made from King Gu and Tiamat, perhaps. So we were basically made from trash in the first place, in a sense. But because God wanted to prove how powerful he was and how good he was, he's like, I'm going to take what's basically evil and make it good. And we see that as a pattern in in a lot of different biblical stories. So I could kind of see that because it's an exercise of the authority and the exercise of the power to to be able to do something like that because it's well we might be considered abominations in a sense ourselves to the elohim for instance (laughs) but here he's like well i'm going to do it because i want to 
of course, they also talk about some other motives, like they wanted slave labor and stuff like that because they were tired of doing all the heavy lifting here on Earth. But anyway, I digress. Go ahead. Right. Well, that's where, and that's why it's so interesting to me trying to dig into these specific words they use in the characters. So, like Anu was seemed to have a largely passive role, uh, but at the same time, he was like a high-ranking god, right? Yeah, like in the background. Like so a, that's, a grand, that's almost, grandfather or something kind of is how I imagined him. Like very, very wise. You know, he was powerful for different reasons than what you would maybe think. Whereas Marduk was like virility, strength, bravery. Ani was like the wisdom with the long beard kind of in my mind. That's the way I'm thinking of it, you know? Yes. So when I look at the fruit, it almost has more Jehovah vibes, at least so far in this passage, right? Where Jehovah's being kind of like more chalant like uh, passive you could say just like okay i'm not going to kill you i'm going to just let you roam around and kind of you know learn your lesson is very different than like i'm going to wipe you out you know what i mean he did create us so again i think that's that uh well the elohim created us right? oh that's a good point yeah it was like a team so, team effort <laughs> so and then here we have jehovah which seems to be different because even in my translation it's like using god for elohim and then jehovah in different areas oh so yeah yeah when and when you go to the hebrew it seems to confirm that oh mind you they even though they created us they did it in his image so he was basically the model for us which was kind of interesting because he could have chosen anything to look like in a sense, you know? So it's, <laughs> I think that's so interesting to just now consider. And sometimes you see the Egyptian base reliefs that show um, Kum, K-H-U-U-N-M. I think it's uh, it's like a sheep headed entity and he's fashioning the humans like on a potter's wheel. And so many times in the Bible, it likens us humans to being on a potter's wheel and that he fashioned us on a potter's wheel. And I was like, wow, that's kind of weird. Because you were talking about Aries earlier, Dan. So, uh, Kanum always comes to mind. Yeah, very interesting. So, it almost seems like uh, when I looked up in his image, it comes up as. Oh, yeah, in his own image. Let's look at this phrase here. Interesting. So it seems to be just like a whole phrase. I don't know. I would have to look harder to try to find like a specific word for his. But in this case, it just comes up as uh, tesalem, which seems to just mean image, likeness. Uh, semblance so yeah I was just trying to see if like we could find some more details into when it says in his image because maybe that means something different you know what I mean uh, maybe it's just the idea of what his creation is supposed to look like in his image the image in his brain what he feels like oh. you know, or what he, what a good worker would be um because seemingly it it has this connection to humans being workers which is why the first things that cain and abel did was bring him fruits from uh 
from you know tilling the soil to show him look like we can we can work good look at what we did and that's why he presumably cursed Cain because he didn't bring him good fruits and loved Abel because he did because he was a better worker Yeah, I'll have to look into that a little more. But, you know, because it, it's weird that it's saying Elohim, meaning multiple, but then saying in his image. Uh, yeah, because remember what we talked about, uh, the serpent, too. Um, if if you take the serpent as an entity, that means there had to be other entities around with God uh, when he was creating, uh, just because of the fact that it he's in uh, the garden anyway so he already was created meant that there was a creation or something was going on before the garden of eden because even in genesis 6 it says and the children of god came down and had sex with human women so who are these angelic beings so I guess you could say that they were with God or they're part of the Elohim, they're part of the council of the gods, God and his angels. He rules over them. He's the president, but he has a secretary of state and a, a governor and senators that he has to talk to and answer to as well. He's still the most high. He's the ultimate judge, but he also has a, a whole cabinet below him. You know, that reminds me of, I don't really like a lot of the Gnostic teachings, but they actually kind of do describe creation in a very interesting way um, because they talk about the Demiurge and creating his uh, craftsmen and each of them have like different duties. So it helps me kind of conceptualize and understand the angels. So basically the angels themselves are emanations of God, each representing like a different virtue or power or ability or something like that. And in this fractalized kind of way, it's like he maybe even split himself into different varieties of entities so that he could do different things. And I don't know, it's kind of a abstract thing to think about, but in that way, they kind of are children, you know? Um, and then I think when he created humans, it's like he did give us a part of himself, just like he did when he created angels, except he created us out of um, like the most basic material or something. Oh, by the way, I dropped a picture of Canoon there in the um, Genesis telegram. And I think that that right there kind of helps. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of the Abel story. like. Abel brings Jehovah a lamb. Well, what if Jehovah looked like a ram? You know, it's like, I'm going to bring you what you look like or something. You know, there's another reason that could have pleased him, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. It's worth a thought. Yeah. That goes back to the well, again, Ares, Ares symbolism too, right? Of the ram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When it didn't necessarily say that uh, Abel's sacrifice pleased him, did it? Like he was just looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, That's he gets true. his countenance. So, in other words, to get the gaze itself um, is is that pleasing thing. So, I was kind of thinking of it this way: Imagine you have 
because uh, I don't have children. And but I imagine maybe if you had two children, they're both wanting to please their father in some way. And so imagine if you know your children were sent out to go get you something. I don't know, like out of the forest or, <laughs> and one brings you back something really beautiful. And the other one brings you back something not so great. You know, um, it would just be like, well, you would naturally be drawn to the one thing and not the other. So I don't know. I, I, I guess know. I have appreciated both, but it seemed like the, it was something to do with the, intention that Cain had more than the offer itself I think I mean Uh, I think to be honest like I would look at the dead animal first because that's just like a more (laughs) uh, like stimulating scene you know what I mean so like that's why like and then God says to to Cain like bro why are you tripping like I, I just literally looked over here and did you do something wrong it was almost like he he noticed his conscience was like uh it to me it was not so much like you said about what they actually brought but like their accountants and he could tell that Cain was not uh because Cain was like showing guilt you know he was showing his hand he had a terrible poker face yeah that's a good that's a good point because it does mention his countenance had fallen which means that his face would have been grimacing or uh looked cross perhaps Oh, speaking of looking cross, there's a canoe holding a cross, <laughs> an onk. Oh, um, the the picture I shared though has like a picture. Yeah, he's called the divine potter. See, that's so weird. And Lord of created things from himself, which the angels would qualify as that as well. And I've heard that uh, Yahweh being referred to as the one that exists as being the, the meaning of it so it kind of does jive a lot with that stuff and the egyptian called uh, theogony creation story kind of does have some very interesting parallels to genesis as well uh, particularly the ramua of the flood Again, mentioning of like deep waters and such. And then out of that flood comes the lamb in the pool. <laughs> so again, this big lamb symbolism and probably being sacrificed at the beginning of the world, you know, on top of the pyramid, et cetera. So it's very, very similar to Genesis. So what's this coin from that you shared with now that? I don't know. It looks like it's just a silver coin design that you can buy. That just happened to be like one of the more pristine images that got my point across. (laughs) But I've seen others like uh, hieroglyphic looking designs that are actually on some of the areas in Egypt. But that's just uh, a coin design. Oh, yeah, thanks. That's probably a better, (laughs) better way. I just didn't know what to type to find the one where he's potting, like creating humans. Right. Yeah, this is very interesting. Let's see. That was like one of his things that he was known for. So, hmm. and he is. Uh, sorry, did you say he's a ram? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So again, with the Aries symbology. Yeah, and said to first. like be self-creating as well. Um, so it's got some type of rejuvenative effect 
you sometimes see him as a um i've seen him as a crocodile with a ram's head and then the crocodile with the crocodile's body is like his death counterpart and the ram is the life counterpart it's like, it's like he it's like a cycle of destruction and creation or something like that it's really interesting hmm. but the hmm. potter's will is what really drew my attention because it's time and again yahweh and jehovah can kind of like characterize themselves as the potter and um there's also the potter's field which was purchased and um what was it they took the silver that judas had used to betray christ and used it to buy the potter's field i think um which is kind of interesting because uh the potter's field is where all the broken pots went so it kind of represents like sinners and broken vessels and things like that being redeemed with the blood of christ hmm. is adam essentially the red clay right right so it all goes back to the throwing a pot on a, a wheel just makes me giggle so kind of where we left off is we're talking about cain killing abel mm -hmm. god putting a mark on him and essentially we seemed to summarize that that mark was probably like an oath or like a uh, an omen like a curse of anyone else tried to kill him uh joshua you mentioned he did end up dying do you know do you remember how he died does it mention that uh again i think it's an account in the book of jasher um and i think the way it goes is that lamech had a uh one of the uh, younger children with him which, you know, in those days they were living to be really old. So this child could have already been a hundred, <laughs> but anyway, they're out hunting and Lamech is old. And so his eyesight's failing him. And so they see what they think is an animal in the distance, which is kind of interesting to think about if Cain's out there in the wilderness roaming around, you know, maybe he started to look like an animal because we do see that in Daniel. Uh, I think it's maybe chapter two. Uh, where Nebuchadnezzar's made a beast and he begins to look, you know, as like his fingernails grow out and his hair grows out and he kind of takes after a beast. Um, so I'd imagine Cain probably did look, <laughs> maybe they couldn't tell what he was and shot him on accident. Cause of course, if they had known it was Cain, they wouldn't, he wouldn't have allowed it. And so Lamech knowing and what had happened, he then slays the boy. I guess because the boy was just too ignorant to know that he had basically invited a curse upon their family. But uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty wild story. I'll try to search for it real quick. Yeah, so I actually have it here. I think, um, but so oh, where, okay. you know, where does this come from? Is it because this isn't in the Bible? It, it doesn't actually say. Um, died, right? Yeah, I mean, it's considered an extra canonical, canonical text, um, but I think Jasher still considered. Um, canon in a sense too because you can test the fruit as they say and uh it's just for some reason or another it wasn't included in the canon okay. oh, it. so i'll just read this real quick so according to the lamech legend which was based on genesis 4 but which evolved over the centuries lamech accidentally killed cain while he was hunting with his son to ball cain in the legend lamech is 
a blind but skilled hunter, and Tabal Cain accompanies him to direct his bow and arrow. Hearing a noise in the bushes, they shoot what they think is a wild animal. Upon investigation, though, they discover that Lamech's arrow has killed Cain. Um, so is that kind of the gist of it, uh, based off what you know? Yeah, exactly. And in this okay. way, like that following sentence says he died like an animal. So if you think about it, he's he's a beast. So if he's marked, it's kind of like a beast. Oh, I'm just saying. <laughs> right. Uh, so I've heard that some of these um, stories are like, in a way, like fan fiction. So when there were gaps in the in the Bible, people mm-hmm. would try and like fill in those gaps and, and create stories. I'm not saying this is it, right? Like that, this could be totally true and what happened, but I, um, there's like a very specific word in, in like the Hebrew language for these kind of uh, writings. Uh, I forget what it is though. I have a... Um, so just... Oh, it could be called the... Mind. could be the Mishnah. Like that, the that sound right. oral mission or something. I have what were you saying, Dan? I have a thing right here that says, according to extra, extra biblical Midrash, Lamech, who was blind at the time, killed Cain accidentally while hunting with his son. In this legend, Cain's mark was a horn, and so Lamech's son mistakenly thought Cain was an animal and led his father to shoot Cain. Lamech ends up killing both Cain and his own son, which is lessons legend states accounts for Lamech's words in Genesis 4 23 through 24 it is unlikely that Cain would have met his demise by being murdered by his descendant Lamech since God had placed the mark on Cain to keep everyone to keep anyone from killing him furthermore to argue based on a legend that Cain was murdered is to ignore the authority and priority of scripture interesting so do you guys think that if like if this jasher wasn't if it was more of a fan fiction just for conversation's sake um what what was jehovah saying this mark was actually was it just saying that nobody could kill him or that he would like survive does that make sense like is it possible he's still around uh jasher might give some shed some light on that actually because it seems to kind of rehash a lot of genesis or what we were reading in genesis right i have another one here too another theory from extra biblical literature is that cain was killed by a stone house falling on top of him according to the book of jubilees cain was rightly avenged for his murder of abel for with a stone he had killed abel and by a stone was he killed in righteous judgment? That's the book of Jubilees 4.31. It may be tempting to accept this account of Cain's death, but scripture never states how Cain died, so any attempt to explain is mere conjecture. Uh, then it goes on to say, what can be known about Cain after the murder of Abel is that he settled in the land of Nod, had a son named Enoch, and built a city after his son, Genesis 4, 16 to 17, the descendants of Cain became, became men who raised livestock, crafted musical instruments, and built tools of bronze and iron. Genesis 4, 20 through 22. Despite these cultural achievements, Cain's descendants followed his example of evilness and unbelief. Lamech was especially Cain-like since he boosted or boasted of killing a man who had 
injured him and even damaged greater vengeance in the event of his own murder than what God had granted to Cain. Genesis 4, 23 and 24. The descendants of Cain grew more numerous and ungodly as evidence in the widespread wickedness of Noah's day. Uh, sounds like they were um, pagans, Cain's descendants. And that tracks, right? He's probably pretty upset with God. <laughs> and Lamech was the father of Noah, I think. So if Lamech's line was cursed, it seems like it would have flowed into, uh, we see another curse on Ham following that. And so it just makes me wonder, if, you know, I don't know if Lamech was necessarily out of Cain's line. I think he was from Seth's perhaps, but we see that even though that was probably not the same line, it's like now it's got a curse. Then with Adam had his curse, then Lamech gets a curse. Then Ham gets a curse. Cain had a curse. It's like the curses are starting to add up, you know, quite a few curses already at this point in the Bible. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify, it does seem like, Jehovah said it to Cain a token that none finding him doth slay him. So just based off of that alone, it seems like he was meant to sort of die of natural causes, right? Or wander the earth for eternity. Uh, some people were made immortal. Uh, uh, in, the, in the Sumerian, Utnapishtim was made immortal, which was Noah. He lived out all his days in uh, the garden. Hmm. Right. Uh, and it may be, I'm just saying based off of what we're reading here, it yeah. seems more like it was specifically like, not that you're going to live forever. It doesn't say that anyway, but just that like, if no one's going to be able to slay you. Well, it so did say I'm just saying that because it kind of, go ahead. Sorry. It did say he would be cursed until the end of days. Right, but again, what does end of days mean? Because we saw that used a while back, and it was like in the same story, like the same day almost, right? Uh, so yeah, who knows? Well, the end of days could be the, the end of time till there's no more days left. Days are all gone. So it could be to the end of time. It could be forever. Uh, it seemed like he wandered for a pretty long time, and he said he had children, and his, his, uh, his uh, descendants are still upon the earth. So in that way, he, he's, his curse is still upon the earth. Did we look at both, that whole f phrase? Yeah, like more than just that. Because it seems like when I looked at it, it did kind of imply it could mean like the end of the age or end of the world or something like that. I'd mm -hmm. just be curious to see what it says. Because yours seems to be a pretty good. I like this. Yeah, so again, it's it seems to be translated different. Like when I come here, it says it in the verse, but then when I go to the Hebrew, it's like, uh, it's not there. It's like a different, and in the process of time seems to oh, be like see. what it's saying. So I think I never... seven, 7093 was the one that I looked at on my screen that said uh, end of time or something like that. So in process, that's what it's saying. Okay. Yeah, so 793, is that what you said? This would have been what I was looking at, yeah. And what is this that you're using again? It's a Bible Hub and what you call the interlinear. So basically, 
it's the Hebrew with English beside it. That's why it's read backwards because it's they're writing English alongside the Hebrew. So it's a little easier to kind of tell what the words are. So it would be, uh, yeah, there it was down a little bit lower. Yeah. Oh, seven zero ninety three. Uh, it was one of those three one one seven. So if you highlight it, there it says the end. So it was that one. It kind of gives you a little footnote there to look at. So and but like again, is that just like the end of that day, or like there's nothing uh, that I'm seeing? Oh, well, I guess one of the words is endless. So <laughs> that's confusing. Um, yeah. There are some contexts with the other verses there in that uh, in that link you just selected. Basically, it just seems like you're not supposed to know. It's not it's not really given what happens to them. Uh, like you're saying, those other extra biblical ones are kind of uh, uh, fluff that they added later to to tie up loose ends, but. So, uh, like in those things that said, like, just because it says that, that's not, that's not what you should believe. Uh, it's not, it's not canonical. Um, right. Um, and not to say that everything that is canonical is the only truth. Right. But I, it's just important to know that there was literally like this sub genre of writings throughout like the Hebrew, mm -hmm. um, timeline of like people literally making sort of fan fiction trying to fill in the gaps so uh, that's why there's there was a lot of criteria that went into the canon of like having to have multiple sources and like some sort yeah. of evidence for it and and things like that yeah cool yeah I did I, yeah go ahead you agree and uh that's why i was saying like it's a good idea to to test the scriptures that you're finding because a lot of them can't test or excuse me pass that test um and generally it's like if you can find what they say two witnesses so if you can use the 66 book canon to find two witnesses in whatever you're reading extra canonical then it passes the test now it may not be right. something you want to share and teach or whatever but it, you can kind of rest assured that it's probably pretty accurate whereas if it you can't verify it with two witnesses as they say then um, you know maybe you shouldn't. Yep. Or definitely don't share it, teach it. But you know if you read it, yeah. kind of keep it to yourself, kind of thing. Let's totally. let's dive into seventeen, uh, four seventeen, because this is where it says that he beareth Enoch. Uh, Cain did with his wife. Is this the same Enoch, like the book of Enoch, or is this a different Enoch? Because I know that there is two of them. I believe this is the OG Enoch, the the one okay. that was taken, right? <laughs> so perhaps but then you do get this sort of like you get this like dark magician figure yeah. also called Enoch, and that's what causes a lot of confusion. So maybe you're not supposed to look at this Enoch, which is why it was taken out of the Bible, because it, it, it's a descendant of Cain. Perhaps, or I don't know. I'm not convinced that. I mean, what do you guys think on the Book of Enoch? I think it's. Uh, I'm not convinced book. it's necessarily. Yeah, and it it seems to have more validity than some of the others, like because it is, from what I understand, it is found in other cultures that 
like uh, the Ethiopian Bible, right? Isn't that one of like mm. the oldest that we have? And it's in that. Yeah. Um, and then it was found in whatever you think of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It was found there. So, you know, it seems like there's different sources to it. Like there's a third party. I think the trickiness is like who actually wrote the book of Enoch because we don't like it wasn't from what we understand it wasn't Moses or Enoch right I don't know that's what that's what I've found is like people have questions on the authorship of it wasn't there a character named Enos that we read about earlier yeah I just yes. noticed the names are kind of similar um but yeah there is apparently two of Enoch's and I like the book of Enoch I think it's pretty awesome um I mean it's a little bit abstract, obviously, because most, I mean, he's spending a lot of time in heaven too, <laughs> uh, yeah. being shown around. So I think it kind of does a lot to show the, what the solar system looks like and things like that. So I think it's quite amazing for those reasons, because it's like God's allowing him to see things that we wouldn't normally have the ability to see. So I kind of see it as a book for those who are of the faith and have an imagination and kind of like want to know about the mysteries of the universe. Well, it's, it's kind of like helps to satisfy that, you know? Um, but I don't feel like it's a salvational book, but that said Enoch was translated. I mean, he, he didn't die. He went with God uh, mm -hmm. into heaven. So it would seem as though he pleased God even after the fall. So there's something special about him apparently. For yeah, some part, right, yeah, that's why I, I remember was correctly. Jesus, Enoch, Cain's son, Enoch, is that the same as Book of Enoch? Because Enoch becomes Metatron. Oh, well, that would explain his promotion. Yeah, what was you saying, Nomad? Well, I think Jesus references the Book of Enoch, and I don't remember yeah. the specific verse, but I think essentially what they were talking about is uh, people were asking Jesus, like, if a man has a wife and the wife dies or the man dies and then they remarry like essentially who belongs to who in heaven and i believe he he's references like have you not read the scriptures and then he goes on to, to uh, essentially answer them and basically that verse that he's mentioning isn't found anywhere in our bible but it is in enoch from when i, I studied this like a long time ago so mm -hmm. well that would all suggest the details, it but yeah it was around when christ was around then yeah mm -hmm. Or that he that the people like that was a story that was very much passed on and yeah. people knew about it, right? So it, again, it's like we seem to see multiple sources, multiple scribes in different areas, uh, bringing forth the Book of Enoch, which to me lends some sort of credibility. And Enochian um, is usually a word associated with like D uh, and that his associate Mackie. Right. Was. I don't believe they called it the Enochian language. I think they called it the Adamic language or the angelic language, but I think it was maybe Crowley actually who who started calling it Enochian. And again, uh, it's dicey because we do have that character that was sort of like that dark magician who was also called Enoch. And so good point. Yeah, it was it was kind of represent like the same thing, but inverted in a sense. Yeah, I could which see is what they love to do. <laughs> they try to because they don't and have they, power, and they use they it for their to. own gain yeah exactly indeed um and then is this uh methyl uh go back up methuselah yeah is that methuselah is that the same or is that a different person Meth methuselah ale 
think that's a different one. I think Methuselah. Well, no, you you probably are right because right after this, Noah gets comes onto the scene. In King James, it's also Methuselah, but yeah, timeline. I thought it was Methuselah. Maybe if I check one of the standard yeah, like, effect. What's the, <laughs> what's the main one people use? I know we just said NIV's boo boo, but let's see if that's what they use. <laughs> Methushel. So, hmm. Maybe this is someone else. Methushel. Methushel. Yeah, where we got Mandela. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Here, let's, look, let's look it up. When, uh, when do we first see Methuselah? Is yeah, I think he was alive when the Genesis flood five. So let's go to Genesis yeah. five. Well, he's the, he isn't Methuselah the the father of somebody. So when Enoch yeah. had lived sixty five years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God three hundred years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. He, well, that was interesting. It is 365 years, which is our know, day, right? days. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird that it says Enoch uh, was the father of Methuselah, and then in Genesis 4. It says the same, right? It, well, it says Methuselah is the father of Lamech. Um, I mean, they're probably giving homage, right? To but Enoch the, was the born Irad. Well, he's he was born Irad. What is And born to Enoch is Irad, and Irad hath begotten Mahujel, and Mahujel hath begotten Methusel, and Methusel hath begotten Lamech. So this is a different Enoch, then this is the bad Enoch then, right? I don't know. I'm going to have to like do a timeline here to get this all straight, <laughs> to be honest. Because it seems like the other uh, because it's, it gets confusing. It gets confusing because they live so long, right? And so you yeah. have like they keep having kids, but then their kids are having kids, and yeah, um, and they're still like around and kicking. So, <laughs> uh, and born to Enoch is Irad, and Irad hath begotten. Okay, we just all read all that. So yeah, because this is a two ball. Right this is two ball cane. And then Adam, and then bear the son, and then this is oh well, this is the line of Seth. Then Adam, after his begotten Seth, are eight hundred years, and he begot his sons and daughters. Let's see. And then we have Enos; he's also doing things. And he so, and he begot Canaan. Right. And is this is Canaan where we get the Canaanites? Is that where that kind of starts? Yeah. Yeah, which became the giants. Uh, they mixed with the giants. That's why they were right, wiped out. A lot of people give Jared. Bible stuff over that, but 
the fact is it was it wasn't they weren't really humans so to speak they were you know mixed with the giants hmm. oh excuse me i dropped a link about the uh, uh now a lot of people don't necessarily like the second book of adam and eve but the first book of adam and eve does seem to pass um a lot of people's fruit checking fruit inspecting tests <laughs> if you will so it might be something to look at if if you like but um there is an excerpt here about the birth of cain and luluva who i've never really heard of so there might have been another child there that we're not familiar with um but yeah because people always wonder well how did these how did all they have all these how did all the people start <laughs> well there apparently were some other people but so you know it's interesting um but it talks in here about a lot of different things like there's mentioned more mentionings of figs there's mentionings of them trying to atone for sin, having experiencing hunger for the first time. Um, so it's kind of like goes into more granular detail, but it doesn't seem to advance too far into the timeline though, because it kind of stops shortly after uh, Cain is 15 and Abel's 12. So it even shows an age difference there, three years. That's kind of interesting. Interesting. And sorry, uh, my audio dropped out for a second, but what, what is this from again? Oh, uh, the first book of Adam and Eve, which again, uh, a lot of people seem to like it, but it, the second one doesn't necessarily seem to be as solid and trustworthy. It seems to maybe not jive as well, or maybe has conflicts, but this one seems to, to jive with other texts like the canon. Okay. I mean, based off what we're reading here in, in Genesis 4 and 5, it's, I think this is the same Enoch, right? I think I don't think it's till later we get the other Enoch, right? There is another one that comes later, yeah. But this so far has been the same Enoch from verse 4 to verse 5. I uh, think so. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Okay. Cool. I think the next one comes from Cain's line. Yes, I think you're right, but I think that is later. This one isn't from maybe Cain's even after line? the flood, actually. Wait, yeah. So this one's not from Cain's line. I thought it was. I, I don't think it so. Was. Let's run it back. Here. Pardon me. <laughs> well, who knows? I mean, it gets very confusing. So let's see. Yeah, let's see. Where it first said uh, Enoch. And Cain knoweth his wife, and she conceiveth, and heareth oh, okay. Enoch. Yeah, and he is building a city, and he called the name of the city according to the name of his son Enoch. So that's interesting that even Cain's son was redeemed and taken with God into heaven. So uh, that's quite right. interesting. Well, and I think that's a common trait, right? Like he, God is the redeemer, in my opinion. Takes something and bad, makes it good. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we see that. That's just how like even cycles work, right? Like when plants uh, are like chopped down and into the ground, then they create soil. Like plant matter helps create that soil, and then it and then fertilizer, right? Which is like, uh, you know, you know what that is. So that helps also grow. 
things, even though it's like waste, essentially. That's what we call yeah, it, but probably exactly. not the best term. So Cain created the and first alchemy. Movie. That's the black, you know, the black of alchemy is considered right. Nagaretto or the, the crow's beak. Yeah, exactly. So that means Cain created the first city or civilization. Uh, yeah, it said named it named Enoch, no less. Yeah, and named it after his son. So a lot of people talk about how civilization has been bad for humankind to live in uh, close quarters. We're supposed to be more living nomadic. Uh, nomadic. Uh, <laughs> nice pun, my man. <laughs> well, because we see that, that right, yeah. like when. We, when we uh when we start over tilling soil you know it, we, it loses its nutrients when we start yeah. um when we start getting crowded when you crowd animals together in a small area that's when disease breaks out so in my opinion nature definitely wants us to spread out and to explore right mm -hmm. into the expanse and well and we see the creation of 15 minute cities and civilization and how how inner cities and how bad uh, the health has been for people in inner cities and, uh, you know, being in a civilized area next to workshops like uh, in, in industry and it not being separated uh, starts to pollute and bring diseases, uh, just like you were saying about that. So uh, in a way, you know, Cain created civilization and Cain is the cursed one so the cursed one brought us cities yeah, yeah it's kind of like the the fruit of the tree of knowledge it's it's kind of like you see that come to fruition in cities because cities are tend to be where you find the concentration of technology mm -hmm. um so you know they're kind of like little uh different bug zappers or, or roach motels for you know human pests so to speak you know because the mark of the beast you know even though it says everybody's going to be forced to take it on the earth i mean most of that stuff you're going to be seeing in the cities i think you know to buy sell or trade mm -hmm. kind of deal even though the irony here is that the people of god so to speak are probably out in the countryside farming which is what yeah, <laughs> yeah like the Amish but they would be farming and shepherding just like Cain and Abel did um, so the way they were living then was in as the way it was intended it's just that uh, I think as time progressed they gained more technology and technology began to corrupt and one of the other names here that take note of is uh, uh, Nama she's sometimes associated um uh, i think she ends up marrying ham i could be mistaken but she kind of bears a lineage later on i think and tubal cain of course and jubal and jubal um those were the names of the two two of the three ruffians that kill hiram abiff in the masonic legend <clears throat> They're named Jubal and Jubalo and Jubalo, or can't remember, but it's some variation of those those names right there. And then Tubal Cain comes up again later in the story as well. 
So it all references back to Genesis 4 in that uh, Hiram Abiff story. And the slaying of Abel, of course, is kind of analogous with the slaying of Hiram as well. And then at the end of here uh, in Genesis 4, and to Seth to him also a son hath been born, and he called his name Enos. Uh, then a beginning was made of preaching in the name of Jehovah. Amen. So again, so we were kind of talking about the the mythology of Seth or Seth and uh, Horus. Is do we think there's any correlation here? Because you know here we have Seth essentially um, starting to preach the name of Jehovah, which is interesting. Again, right? Just that like. Out of nowhere, we get this sort of um, not crusades, but what's the word I'm looking for? Just like a, a missionary evangelicalism. Almost. Yeah, uh, like where did that come from? You know, like we don't even have anything telling us Jehovah said to go do this. It's just like Enos started doing this. <laughs> Does that make sense? What I'm getting at? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it says Adam again knoweth his wife, and she beareth a son, and calleth his name Seth. For God hath appointed for me another seed instead of Abel, for Cain had slain him, and Seth to him also a son that hath been born, and he calleth his name Enos. Then a beginning was made of the preaching in the name of Jehovah. So it almost seems like um, uh, because Cain killed Abel, God hath appointed her another seed, uh, just kind of like earlier in the beginning, it almost seemed like she was giving praise to God for allowing her to have a another baby. Like she right. was, wasn't then, aware that she could have more than one. She had Cain, and then it said, uh, "Go scroll back up to the one, um, up to one, oh, verse oh, one." one. Okay. Because then it says, uh, I have gotten a man by Jehovah. So it's almost like she's given praise to Jehovah for allowing her to conceive. Maybe that's what it's saying in it. And then by him giving her praise, she was able to have Abel. Right. And then because, yeah, so maybe because Cain was out doing his own thing, essentially probably, you know, not telling people the truth or like um not proclaiming jehovah and the creation yes. story accurately you could say god had to redeem the situation uh and so then we get seth right yeah. and seth is the one that sort of starts that or seeing, i guess it's enos actually right yeah it's enos that starts preaching in the name of jehovah i kind of have an interpretation of that um one thing to consider is that I mean, maybe we'll have to wait till we get to chapter five to know for sure. Did we already, did Enoch already get taken away? No. Or is that in chapter five? That must be That's chapter That's the next five. chapter. Yeah. Because hmm. he has what, a bunch of kids and stuff first. What kind of seemed to almost be here is that Jehovah was getting ready to depart because he leaves with Enoch here later. And I think it's like kind of around the time he's leaving is around the same time they're starting to preach, apparently. So maybe that has something to do with the fact that they're like talking about him 
you know, in a sense that like, even though he's gone they're they're like talking about him. It's like, Hey, do you guys know who was here? You know, it's our God, our father, our creator. So I could kind of see it that way too. It's like, they're telling people yeah. about him or something. Cause how could you not know that he was here? <laughs> you know, if he was here living, it seems like everybody would know. So it's kind of interesting. Like at this point, there must've been a lot more people than we realize. Because imagine some imagine God being on Earth and not and somebody not knowing that. I mean, would you really have to tell somebody? So yeah, yeah. it's just an interesting thought to consider. Interesting, huh? Yeah, like uh, seemingly, I kind of feel like the second this this creation, like he had already created humans, but now he was creating Adam and Eve, which were the perfect humans, and uh, that was out of that was out of a the creation of man that he already had and then so then when he saw evil in this man uh he was you know he was he just let him mix in with the other huh yeah and so (laughs) they kind of mingled with all the other humans uh because there's girls around too because he found the wife how where did he find a wife at if there's no women you're just telling us uh these men are born and there's only two families there's like one family where did he find the wife outside of the family obviously well maybe he didn't it was inside the family but of course that still doesn't really answer the the yeah, real it question never says anything about a <laughs> daughter does it or did it like eve never had a daughter it doesn't mention right so yeah like you're yeah. saying where did their wives come from well in that book of adam and eve there is a daughter yeah oh, i did really? see that uh, which oh, was, that? was that this one it's a weird name i'm not familiar with though was it this uh passage though that you sent because you sent a few or was it this yeah one? this one oh, no it didn't look like that it oh looked... i'm sorry i think it's that exact thing there um here i'll drop it again that's book of jasher adam and eve was a different uh it looked different gutenberg oh i see the tab right there yeah which one that one next to the bible one yep two uh right there no right the g this one the one next to it oh wow cain becomes jealous of abel because of his sister no, it says maybe i'm wrong how interesting uh you got a lot of tabs oh, there up. we go no oh, man i think this is it joshua's yeah. been dropping gems over here sorry dude no, um, good. let's make sure we catch this too that's l x x v i l x x oh i see so that's four and then this one's six so read four and six seem to be the I don't know, maybe four or five is a good two, <laughs> but uh, four and six seem to be the ones that are most relevant. You had it there, no man. What happened? I know. I, I clicked the wrong button and it <laughs> went crazy on me. Okay. Now let's find daughter. Here we go. All right. I think this is what we're looking for, right? Boom. Yeah, there it is. So where should we start reading? Um, 
Let's just start here. But when Adam saw the distress in which Eve was, he got up and prayed to God and said, O Lord, look at me with the eye of your mercy and bring her out of her distress. And God looked at his maid servant Eve and delivered her. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and with him a daughter. The Adam rejoiced at Eve's deliverance and also over the children she had borne him. And Adam ministered to Eve in the cave until the end of the eight days when they named the son Cain and the daughter Luluwa. Hmm. So, and then again, uh, Joshua, would you just give people some context into what we're reading from? Yeah, this is what they call the first book of Adam and Eve. So the Gutenberg project here uh, is basically a translation of that. So it would have just been found like all the others we've mentioned, like in the Dead Sea Scrolls or something. Oh. It, might, it actually might be in that. I'm not quite sure. But um, it's one of the lesser known apocryphal texts. And then there's a second one, but it's seen as less credible because it doesn't seem to jive with some of the other um, accepted uh, books in the canon. So this one seems to be a lot of um help fill in some of the gaps so yeah maybe it is fan fiction i don't know but um it seems to jive like uh haven't heard anybody complain about it the first one now the second one like i said it might still be interesting to read but it's more like the temptations of the devil against them they find mm -hmm. a cave he puts like trees in front of it they get lost they're trying to and, and it kind of even suggests like the start of baptism too, because then they go in the river and try to wash their sins away in the river. And <laughs> anyway, so it's it's an interesting read, nevertheless. But I thought it said I just did a quick search. Go ahead. And it says the conflict of Adam and Eve with Satan, also known as the Book of Adam and Eve, is a sixth-century Christian extracanonical work found in Ge'ez, translated from an Arabic original. Um, so. Just to give people some context, sixth century. If you want to look more into it, yeah, it would be really? the five hundreds. Then, so yeah. that's kind of like a medieval. Well, that's really early in the medieval period. Yeah, it's interesting. It said Cain means hater uh, because he hated he hated his sister even in the womb. And so they they somehow knew that he hated her, so they named him Hater, Cain. Uh, and then Lulua means beautiful because she was more beautiful than her mother Eve. Um, so it's huh. interesting that that's a twin, because I think most people think that Adam or not Adam, but Cain and Abel were twins. That's what I thought. But yeah. he was actually a twin. It's a girl. Whoa. Cain was, was uh sorry did we say Cain was the first or he came out he came after he abel was right? the first he was the first abel what yeah apparently okay, three so that makes sense right he was like he was jealous in a way like he you know how that there's kind of that thing i don't know if i've seen this sibling in other like rivalry. families where like the or like the sibling will sort of uh like be used to having all the attention and then all yeah. of a sudden there's another kid and and they get all of the attention right yeah uh, so yeah that's very interesting yeah well this has been great guys i gotta drop soon but did you guys have anything else that you wanted to cover before we or before i get out of here yeah I think, um, um well go ahead i was just gonna say that that the sixth 
chapter six on that um what we were just reading a moment ago it had another interesting uh, it's like skip down one more that's five then six it talks about how he became jealous because of the sisters so we don't have to read all that but i just kind of wanted to you know, mention that it might go into a little more detail about the motive there right well and i think that's an interesting point that you were bringing up dan of like where where did the wives come from so i, I mean was it the sisters or to me it seems like it was probably not it was probably especially if he didn't like the sister <laughs> yeah well they came from somewhere right so there must have been some sort and of he was uh it said that king went to the east to the uh it didn't say the land of nod but it's later said as the land of nod so he he went far out to the east and he found a wife there so right. way away from creation he was able to find a wife in this other foreign land so Good how point. where did these people come from so all outside of eden so it, it, like perhaps yeah. the creation story kind of starts there in that central location but then there were still things going on outside of it right in that yeah. in this other realm you could say yeah oh there's verse 10 man check it out <laughs> but as to the hard hearted cain satan came to him by night showed himself and said to him since adam and eve love your brother abel so much more than they love you they wish to join him in marriage and your beautiful sister because they love him However, they wish to join you in marriage to his ugly sister because they hate you. <laughs> <laughs> this seems How so, weird. This, yeah. <laughs> this seems like so again, now before they do be, that, I'm telling yeah. you to kill your brother. Yeah. Wow. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, this is, you know, again, like take it with a grain of salt. This could because I don't based off the quick google search it didn't seem like there was like a whole list of other places we see this so maybe there is but i wouldn't be surprised if this was another like a uh, fan fiction because that is like a obvious if you're trying to keep with and that's what they would do they would try to keep with the narrative so things fit but like you know make it up kind yeah. of to try and fill in the gaps so if uh, that were true though this would have happened before he took him to the field this would have like filled in there if, mm -hmm. if it's true you know well, I mean, right. Also, like, oh, you're gonna marry me. Uh, he still has to marry her. He didn't kill her. What? Sorry, say that again. Okay, so it said, uh, you know, Adam and Eve love your brother Abel so much more than they love you. They wish to join him in marriage to your beautiful sister because they love him. However, they wish to join you in marriage to his ugly sister because they hate you. So he would have had to marry Abel's ugly sister, which is also his sister, unless his Abel's father is God, which is his half sister and not his full sister. Um, right. and then, and then, uh, but God wouldn't have an ugly sister or an ugly daughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. That's, it just seems, yeah, like fan fiction kind of in a way. And then that would have meant that he, he didn't, you know, he still would have had to marry the ugly sister. And the, they're still right. all siblings anyway. So 
Yeah. The thing that sort of checks my spirit is it doesn't seem to me, based on what we know, that that's like God's perfect plan of like, you should marry your relatives because that doesn't seem to turn out too well. And so if that's, you know, yeah. I don't think that would have been the sort of case from the beginning, in my opinion. If but it does happen sense. often in uh, like the story of Lot, right? After his, his wife, Sarah, turns into a pillar, he sleeps with his daughter to uh, get her pregnant. Well, they like, on. they try to like seduce him, right? Is that what happened? Oh, um, they, they, they think that they're the only humans left on earth. So they, yeah, yeah basically have sex with their father to perpetuate the seed. Only so to that, discover that they were not, in fact, the last people on earth. So that <laughs> right. So again, that was kind of, in my opinion, sort of far away from like God's perfect plan. This was like yeah, yeah. people thinking they needed to survive and try to do like a last resort thing. Uh, not so much like what anybody wanted. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, one more thing. Um, I think it was actually in the in the biblical text that we were reading. Um probably toward the end of what we were reading i just i can't remember exactly what it was uh for a young man maybe scroll up just a little bit more scroll up yeah sevenfold oh i'm sorry i i held it for too long and and missed it that's good Somewhere. I think we covered a we covered a lot of great great gravy today. Yeah. I go, feel like I learned a lot. Go back to the bottom again. 24, 25, 26. Uh for sevenfold is required for Cain and for Lamech 70 and sevenfold. And Adam again knoweth his wife and birth a son. Seven. What what's up with the sevenfold thing? Probably where the band Avenged Sevenfold gets their name. <laughs> oh, dang. Uh, for a man I have slain for my wound, even a young man for my hurt. For Sevenfold is required for Cain and for Lamech, 70 and Sevenfold. What, is, what's, uh, what does that mean? No, man, do you know, do you, either of you know what Sevenfold means as like a requirement like of Cain? Th- I feel like I have heard that sort of phrasing meaning something around like uh, like eternity or just like a really long time and not oh. necessarily like a specific amount of time, but I'm not very uh, familiar with it. I just feel like I've heard something about that. So don't take my word for it. I was going to try to go to the original Hebrew. I'm pulling that up. So maybe that will help us. But Joshua, do you know anything on the matter? Well, sometimes in the Bible, you'll see like how sin brings curses on people for generations and uh depending on what it is sometimes sins seem to be a little heavier than others (laughs) um and it'll persist in the bloodline for like four generations in this case seven generations but then with lamech it says 70 and seven fold so then that's 70 times seven so, yeah, seven times as much is what I'm seeing. So that would suggest that in this particular curse, it had, the sentence was just seven times. But I don't think it's always that because I think sometimes it's like just four times. Like, for instance, doing witchcraft or something like that invites 
a curse onto the bloodline for four generations or something like that. So sins of the father, in other words, that kind of thing. So yeah, it just seems like it means seven or seven times or seven times as much. Seems like it to me, uh, like it looks like it's like seven generations of your line through your sons. Like, uh, not it won't be till the seventh son that your curse is removed, which is interesting because Enoch is his first son and it seems like he gets taken up to heaven. So that's kind of weird. So, how many well, 70 times seven then? That's um, what 10 times four, 490 generations. Well, so maybe it's not generations, though. Maybe it's just like years or progeny, you know, like, yeah. I mean, generations kind of hard to measure. Sometimes it's 20 years or whatever, but that could very well be like lineages, though, like children. Yeah. Yeah. The seventh son, which my gosh, can you imagine how many years that is? Actually, if it were like 20 years at a time, that's <laughs> that's some big math. So, yeah, that'd be we might time. even. Be in that time now. <laughs> one hundred and forty, uh, one hundred and forty years would be his next generation or seventh generation. If you go into twenty years as a generation, but I guess when when you talk about them living three hundred and something years, and exactly. So, so time can kind of get distorted there a little bit. Yeah. Hey, Nomad, would you mind praying? Um, I don't know if that's something we've done before, but uh, it's something I always forget to ask. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, we did do that to close us out. Um, Did you want to pray and then you'll close us out, Dan? Yeah, for sure, man. All right. Sounds good. Or do you uh, you guys want to tell people where they can find you first and then we'll pray and end it on that? I I, I like that kind of better, actually. And then yeah, no, sure. on the prayer. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You guys can find me at nomad.art. That's G N O M A D dot art. Um, and that will have links to anything else you might be interested that I uh, am a part of. Yeah. You can find me on Telegram, uh, Joshua the Branch. I hang out with the Weaving Spiders welcome group every Wednesday and Saturday. You can find us. Uh, although I haven't been on there in a while. You can also find me on Instagram, Appalachian Aesthetic. Uh, and of course, I invite you to comment and on these videos if you have any questions or comments and share them with us. Um, yeah, happy to do Bible study and talk with people. So if you have any uh, desire to reach out, please do so. Excellent. And with that, um... Thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch you on the next one. And Nomad, lead us out. Lord of all creation, thank you so much for giving us such a vast world to explore. Thank you for the mysteries, and thank you for guiding us as we seek you. Lord, I pray you bring us closer to each other as we draw closer to you. Lord, I pray that you continue to bless our week and help us to be good examples of your love. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. And it is fun. I think how boring life would be if we knew everything already. (laughs) I think about that all the time. The the hollow hole inside us all is clearly so intentional for that. I'm forever grateful. Excellent. Thank you. Fairly well. Appreciate you. Love y'all. Peace. Peace.
Love you. Bye. I'm regenerating, raising my vibration. Curses ending with my generation. Blessings raining, it's a celebration. Go and tell the nation, we're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting, I've been stuck in my ways, man. I've been stuck in my ways. How many days before it's no longer a face? God keep giving me grace. I'm giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise. Giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise. I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks